Hello, 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 guys. Welcome back to Ukrainian in Paris. Slava Ukraini, heroem slava, as we say back home. Every single time somebody tells you Slava Ukraini, which means glory to Ukraine, you have to answer Geroyam Slava, which means glory to the heroes. This is just a thing that we do to show support, to show love, to show our humanity, you know. And in the last episode, if you did listen, uh, in my first part, I was just telling you how this war actually got even worse than the last eight years and how we found out and our reaction and everything. Uh, I promised you that I would tell you more about my parents' journey, my parents' adventures of getting out of Ukraine and coming back to me. Uh, so I guess I'll just get right into it and tell you more. To be honest, I'm kind of, I mean, I don't regret, but I, I realize that I should have recorded it back then because, you know, time passes by and you kind of have different uh, memories different, like maybe you forget something, maybe something just, you know, doesn't pop up as it used to be back in the day, like fresh memory. But you have to realize also that back in the day, my mind was not thinking about recording a podcast, was not thinking about writing stuff down. I was just trying to, you know, just get the information in me and process it and just function. So that was like the main focus. Uh, it's still hard today, but at least today I just, you know, as I told you in the previous podcast, like you have like different phases of like shock and horrible feelings and crying. Now I do do so still like nothing is over the war is still going on the the suffering is still going on people still need a lot of help people lost their families their husbands wives kids animals their houses like it's it's really crazy what's going on i i could have never imagined that it would be that bad and like in the middle of like you know 2022 Unfortunately, we still don't know what's going to happen, how long it's going to take, when this is over, what's the future, and, you know, of Ukraine. But also, I'm not sure if everyone realizes that, really, but, like, what's the future of Europe? Because everybody thinks it's just, like, Ukrainian, Ukrainian war, like, like Ukrainians, like, you know, taking care of that. But Ukraine is a shield to Europe, literally, right now, so... You know, it's bigger than that. And obviously, when you're sitting in a country like, you know, UK or Germany or France or Spain or Italy, whatever it is, you know, you just like feel safe and you're fine and you're living your little life and you just don't realize like how aft up things are actually there. So that's what's actually dangerous is like, unless it's happening to you or to your family or to somebody you know, you you feel like you're far from that, you know what I mean? Even though if there are many people who actually feel for us, who are, you know, who try to help, who are empathetic, which we do appreciate, but like generally, I'm just speaking generally, 
most of people don't give a f to be honest like i just like i'm sitting myself here in france uh i'm helping out my family i am from ukraine uh so i can't really complain right now sitting and like you know feeling safe here but psychologically you guys know that it's not that easy breezy you know you just you just feel useless you feel hopeless kind of but you have to keep going and you have to keep faith because us all of us ukrainians we know we're gonna win and other option is not even on the table so yeah um so a little bit about how my parents got out of uh ukraine it was actually a crazy crazy story i will have to make a podcast with my dad my dad will actually i think speak ukrainian um and i would like translate or whatever i don't know if everybody ever did that like just like another person speaking in some other language like not speaking english or whatever and the other one just like literally translating live not sure we'll see if he will want to do that but um you know they stayed in ukraine for the first 10 days of like really you know when stuff hit even worse so it started on the 24th of february and they stayed there like you know getting bombed and attacked for like at least 10 days and i was calling them non-stop crying and just you know like saying oh my god i can't believe it's happening i'm so worried about you what if i'll never see you again and i was just i was so bad i had such a horrible anxiety and every single time i was thinking oh my god what if somebody from family member is gonna call me and say hey like he died or she died or they died or you know like something happened and by the way my dog kurt was there too so i was just like thinking oh my god this is like the the nightmare like people are dying like left and right like where the next thing gonna hit to which house you know you never know and i was just feeling hopeless and just like like couldn't do anything here so all i could do was just cry and my husband was by my side like trying to calm me down as he could and like like trying to feel like all this pain but like you know it, it was just a terrible situation psychologically uh so i think not that i think i know my dad told me later that he was just his heart was like breaking like listening to me on the phone begging him to i don't know to get out of there or but you know my parents first they had like a you know you know how parents are they always like try to make you feel good they're like hey whatever don't worry it's not that bad yeah we go to the bunker here and there but the bunker is fine by the way speaking of that bunker he was actually preparing it weeks in in advance like he was making sure there was running water there was electricity there was like enough of food uh like whatever like stuff they they would need like he felt like i mean many people knew that the war might like really really restart you know and uh so he was getting ready for that 
So he was like always downplaying it, you know, like not to worry me. He's like, hey, this is whatever. Like we've seen worse with your mom, you know, like during our lifetime. If you think about your grandparents, like they, they've really seen worse, you know. So that's what they were saying, like the whole beginning. And then at some point, like, I guess 10 days in, I called him. And for the first time, he was like not picking up right away. So I started really to worry i was like oh my god this is it like this is it their dad or something happened or like russians took them or like some fucking weird dude gonna answer a phone and like say that he has my dad and my mom like you know what i mean like my mind was just racing and picturing the worst and uh and then i call him back and i hear like some background noise as if like the car like driving and some weird road you know like like you hear like the heavy noises and i'm like what's going on and he's like hey can you like not bother me for like a couple hours i'm like busy here and i'm like okay and i'm like where are you he's like i'm in a car getting closer to the polish frontier like polish border and i'm like Oh, okay, well, I'll talk to you later, you know, like, and I just, we hung up, because, you know, he, he, I, I figured out, like, I read the room that he's there with somebody, and they're leaving, and this is not the moment to talk, so, you know, I was like, okay, do your thing, and I was worried, I was like, oh my god, he's going to Poland, like, how is it gonna be, because, you know, everybody was trying to get out, but it was so dangerous, it was so hard, because, like, you know it, like, you've read it, you've seen the videos, like, Russians that were all over the place, like, shooting at any car, civilian, not civilian, whoever you are, they didn't care, so I was really scared that, you know, they might die on, on the road, so I was still lost, and I didn't know what to do, I didn't sleep all night, and then, like, finally, he, like, hours later, he called me, and he's like, hey, we're, like, at this place we're in poland right now uh we uh in like this kindergarten place where they actually you know host re refugees that just left ukraine uh it's like a sleeping place for people who just left so we're gonna spend the night here and i was like oh my god what's going on and and then he told me that they were actually leaving kiev where they live so they took their own car, right? And 300 kilometers from Kiev, after driving all this way, the car broke down. The car breaks down. They don't know what to do. They're in the middle of nowhere. People are like racing and trying to get out like of Ukraine, non-stopping. Everybody's really in a hurry. Like people are just trying to survive and just get out you know so nobody's even stopping for them uh and they said that they spent five hours just being on the side of the road and just you know waiting for anything like just for somebody to stop for anything because like i mean guys it's like the middle of the war they're like shooting going on people are hurrying up to get out of the country it's it's a nightmare it's like a chaos and nobody's gonna like pull out the toolbox and be like okay let me see what's going on with my car you know what i mean like it's like a horrible situation and you think fuck i'm gonna i'm gonna maybe die right now you know so then five hours later somebody stops for them 
and they look in that car and it's guys you're not gonna believe it it's their neighbors from kiev where they live from their own building like their neighbors who live in the same building and all this is happening 300 kilometers from there and they're stuck here and nobody stopped for them and the person who stops is the neighbors how crazy is that so that was like the first miracle like it, it was crazy like i still can't believe it so they just abandoned my parents they abandoned their car they jump with uh these neighbors and then all of them find like a sort of minibus that that were actually going to the border with poland and my parents sent me a picture and to be honest guys that was like this is when it really hit me I just saw my parents and few people in like this mini bus kind of type of car where you had no seats, like no actual seats. It had like wooden walls and there were people sitting on the floor of that mini bus surrounded by those wooden walls with a bunch of stuff. Like there was my dog in a cage uh luggages like bags whatever and there are like few people just sitting on the floor there and this is really when it hit me because i've never seen my parents in such a you know such a place such a situation and it was just hard to watch to be honest like i was like that's when it hit me and i was like okay they are refugees now you know what i mean like you've never seen your parents in such a situation and now you're like oh okay i guess they're they are refugees now indeed you know and um yeah that picture was really hard to watch maybe i'll post it one day somewhere and uh yeah so that was one adventure and then they you know uh before they crossed the border with poland something else happened so the driver of that minibus he was a man who was less than 60 years old. So technically, between 18 years old and 60 years old, you are supposed to stay in the country. You're supposed to stay in Ukraine because you can be called and asked to come to, to the army and, you know, to fight. So obviously, there were a bunch of people who ran to the army, who ran because they wanted to to go ahead and fight they wanted to to help you know ukraine and stuff like so there were like huge lines uh in front of the army and even at some point army was like okay guys we have way too many people so you can like go home you know like so that patriotic people were but there were still some people you know who are maybe not 60 yet but they're not in great shape and they're ill and they're not that young anymore either. So, you know, they were maybe, like, not feeling it, scared, you know, which is understandable as well. So this driver of this minibus, he was actually hoping to still get through the border from Ukraine to Poland uh, and not get stopped. He was hoping maybe, you know, somebody not going to notice. Maybe somebody not going to check the paperwork. Maybe he could, like, give you know, some money to someone so they can let him go. I don't know what he was thinking, but he still tried. The thing is, it didn't work. 
they checked his paperwork. They're like, sir, you're not 60 yet. So you better turn around and go back to Ukraine. You know what I mean? Not letting you out of here and, you know, be grateful that we are not finding you or anything. So the thing is, you know, he has a bunch of people and his mini bus that he promised to, you know, cross the border. And my parents are there. So he's like, hey, guys, uh, like, they don't want to let me out. So and my dad was like, "Okay, well, in this case, let me take care of all these people. Let me take care of your wife and your kids because they were there, too. If you have to go back to Ukraine, then they don't let you out. Let me drive the bus because my my dad is over 60. And uh, and the guy was like, oh, um, thanks. You know, like not really like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, I think it was a great idea and it was a good thing to do. Like, you know, from my dad, he's like, okay, let me be responsible for your family and for all these people and I'm going to do it. Don't worry about it. Like, and the guy was like, uh, sorry, but like, I, I want to keep the minivan so he anyways whatever i'm not trying to judge here anyone and you know and people were just like fuck what are we doing and my dad he told me that he had a feeling that he either does something right now and he crosses that border somehow or maybe it's gonna be too late tomorrow uh, something gonna happen maybe something gonna bomb maybe russians gonna come to border and like start killing people you never know so my dad and my mom, they decided to cross it by foot because they were literally at it. They threw out and gave away like at least 50% of their stuff that they had. They were they were so cute. They were bringing me honey from my godmother that she made herself like because she has bees and stuff. They were bringing me a bunch of like things from my grandmother, uh you know, but they had to leave it, like, my dad had a rifle with him, just in case, because he never knew, you know, like, while he was driving in Ukraine, you know, you never know what's gonna happen on that road, so he had a rifle with him, obviously, he gave it away at the border with Poland, because, you know, he has a permit just for Ukraine, and, uh, like, they left a bunch of stuff, and they just took their luggages, they took the, the dog, obviously our dog and they like in the middle of the night they crossed a bridge just by themselves with all this stuff just walking can you believe it guys this is just crazy story and uh trying not to get emotional here um yeah so yeah, and you know, and it was only the beginning of the journey. Obviously, when they crossed it, they felt relieved because, you know, I mean, they were still technically kind of not that far from Ukraine, but they were already in Poland. And they said that people, you know, who were helping out, like the Benevola, like, how do you say, like those, you know, volunteer people, I'm sorry, in Poland and Romania, they were amazing. They were like so nice and so good and like helping you with whatever you need. So thank you guys. Thank you, Poland. Thank you, Romania. Thank you, all the countries who help us. Like you're you're our brothers, you're our best friends. And uh, and then, you know, it was a long journey for my parents. Uh, I was helping them to, you know, to get the 
the buses to get the trains to get like at some point they were you know they were really tired and i was like please let me pay a hotel for you like sleep somewhere just rest somewhere like and you know my friends some of my american friends we were like paying them the hotels like i mean it happened like twice you know in seven days journey uh before that they were just on the go non-stop uh they took huge like journeys like trains of like 14 hours and another train of 16 hours so they were like in poland romania hungary um austria and then they got here so all this took seven full days just coming from ukraine until here to france and you know they never complained once but i know that they really wanted to save my dog they wanted to save kurt he's snoring right now right there i'm looking at him uh i know that you know obviously if they were by themselves without the dog they could have you know taken a plane somewhere in poland or whatever and like already be here but they suffered all that because you never leave your family you never leave your dog so family your dog is your family so you just you know you take care of yours and um and then they finally arrived and my husband and I, we went to get them at the train station and we filmed it. And it was like such an emotional moment. It was amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Like like that day, I haven't seen my mom in like three years, like with COVID and everything. Uh, I haven't seen my dad in a while too, but still, I still saw him like kind of recently compared to my mom. And I just, and I haven't seen my dog in two years. So like I saw them they're alive and safe after all this you know terrible adventure and also those miracles that happened to them during the road and it was just the best and by the way that was the first time my mom was meeting my husband and that was the first time that my husband was getting to meet my dog so yeah and it was it was crazy it was so good so obviously you know we we went back home we uh, we fed them, we celebrated that they're alive, we prayed for the family that is still there, we prayed for Ukraine, they told us about our their adventures, we cried a little, like it was really, it was something else, to be honest, and uh, then uh, we were living all together um, at our place for about 60 or 70 days, and I was taking care of their paperwork, of all the stuff, you know, that France requires uh, from uh, Ukrainian refugees. So, yeah, it was just, you know, paperwork, administration, appointments and all that stuff. Uh, my parents really wanted to, you know, at some point, uh, I mean, they were very grateful to stay with us and we were very, very happy as well. But at some point they were like, OK, guys, you need to live your life. You just got married thank you so much for like having us but we want to be in our little space somewhere so we were able to find something for them uh so yeah right now they're in france uh how about my family that's still there thank god everyone is still 
alive and safe we're checking on them all the time helping out all the time my grandma is by herself she's 93 right now she's like one hour from kiev in a city that's called vasilkov at the whole beginning of the war it was just nonsense right in her street i was so worried and so scared that you know she might die from that uh she's not scared though unfortunately i mean unfortunately she says that she's uh she's fine that she lived her life that she doesn't need to live anymore it's really hard to listen to that really really sad and it's heartbreaking but this is what she says but to be honest guys just so you know the situation is so bad and so terrible and so heartbreaking that my grandma who survived nazis back in the day she says that now it's worse so can you imagine it's just it's just a nightmare on earth to be honest um i don't know what's gonna happen i know what's gonna happen calling her a lot checking on her checking on my godmother as well uh you know the one who who makes honey <laughs> with my godfather yeah also a very cool thing my dad you know that car by the way the car that broke down right uh apparently uh some person who lived in that place uh my dad asked him to keep the car in like his driveway he gave him some money he was like listen i have no idea if i'm gonna come back if i'm gonna survive when i'm gonna come back if i'm gonna come back at all or what's gonna happen to me i have no idea but can you for now keep the car in your driveway here's some money maybe i'll contact you and we'll organize like some towing thing or whatever so the person was like yeah sure okay i'm gonna keep it and recently crazy stuff um my dad organized that this car is brought back to where it's supposed to be and he's giving it away to Zisu. Zisu, you know, it's, it's how we say it in Ukrainian. Uh, it's armed forces of Ukraine. So the car is going to go to them and help them fight. I hope it's going to be useful for the guys. And yeah, and my godmother's sons, they're giving away their cars as well. Like, we, we're trying to help. Um, so yeah. Whew, guys, this one was an emotional one. It wasn't like those episodes about red flags or finding your person or girly stuff. Jesus, that was, that's why it took me so long. I just needed like some psychological, you know, getting ready type of process to actually say it out loud without crying or almost, right? So, yeah you know it all. Uh, I'll keep you updated, keep you posted. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for, for those who pray for Ukraine, for those who help out, for those who donate to official organi organizations, for those who read news about us, for those who know that the war is still going on, people are still suffering, people, civilians, soldiers, kids, old people, animals anything is dying uh the buildings are getting destroyed ukraine is getting destroyed just so you know it's not over it's not because it's not shown 
as much on TV or any other media is that it's it's over. Please know it, remember it, and uh, believe with us that we're going to win and pray for us. We really appreciate your support. We appreciate your help. Just spread the word. Talk to people about it. Read more about it. Just please don't, don't turn away. Thank you so much. Slava Ukraini. Heroem Slava.